Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the playoff edition of Filato's Fantasy Corner here on Big Blue View Radio. I am the host, Nicholas Filato. We are going to dive into each of these games briefly, go over some of the potential fantasy performers that could help you win some money in DFS. We're going to be using DraftKings scoring. I love playoff DFS. Every game means so much to the teams that are playing they're going to use all their assets they got to get creative and i think this is a way for more novice dfs players people who understand the strategy of dfs but don't necessarily grind and make it a full-time job like so many people kind of do in the industry i think it's a way for those people to have that much more success because there's only three games on a slate sometimes six games on this slate two games at times and you can kind of just get lucky by going a little bit contrarian changing your lineup up a little bit with reasonable logic, and you can end up winning big if you just get yourself into that small pool of being a contrarian, but you have to pick and choose the right way and do it well, and that's kind of the whole trick. But we're going to dive into this, go over the what Vegas thinks about all of the games with their over-unders and their point spreads, and then we're going to go into the pricing and who may be good for your lineups, who to pay attention to. Alrighty, so the first game on the slate is Saturday, January 9th. It's a 105 start. And it's the Colts going to Buffalo. And the Buffalo Bills are favored by 6.5 points. And this is actually a 51-point over-under. The Bills are the hottest team in football right now. They didn't have to play in Week 17. But they allowed the Dolphins to come into their building. And they dropped 56 points on them. They dropped 38 points on the Patriots the week before on Monday Night Football. 48 on the Broncos Saturday football. And then they beat the Steelers a few weeks back, 26 to 15. Josh Allen is playing at an MVP type of level right now. Now, he's probably not going to win it, but he actually got himself into the conversation. He's 7,500 right now, and that's not bad, but let's not forget Indianapolis's defense is very solid. So, Josh Allen is definitely somebody who you could still consider in play because they're clicking so much, the Buffalo Bills. Brian Dayball has his offense moving very, very well. Sean McDermott coaches these guys up very, very well. And it's hard to kind of go away from Josh Allen. Now, I think you can just because the Colts defense is really good. But still, you could spend up here and it might be a little bit contrarian. And you're getting somebody who has MVP type of upside at contrarian slate. Now, if you do that for the Saturday games, if you're in a slate for just Saturday, I mean, there's not that many great quarterbacks other than Josh Allen and Tom Brady. You have Russell Wilson, but going up against the Rams, that's been definitely hit or miss because you have Aaron Rodgers. And those kind of guys, Drew Brees, going on Sunday. So Josh Allen for the Saturday slate, 7,500. I mean, his fantasy points, he only did put up 20 last week because he was pulled at around halftime where Matt Barkley came in. But the weeks before, he had 35, he had 40, he had 19 against Pittsburgh, and then he had 34 against San Francisco. He's been balling at a high level, and Steph Diggs has been such a beneficiary of that. I know he didn't practice on Wednesday, but... He's, he's going to play. He has an oblique injury, but he's been playing at such a high level as well. I'm not scared by the fact that he's a little slowed down by the injury. 
and I think that he could take advantage of the Colts secondary even though the Colts are a pretty damn good defense but Josh Allen can move around and adjust he seems to have that rapport with Steph Diggs he just needs to avoid the DeForest Buckners and the Danico Autrys of the world so I if I'm a betting man which I probably won't be betting on the, the spreads in a lot of these games but I would think I would take Buffalo in this instance I do up in Buffalo it's gonna be a Probably a cold game, to, to say the least. But you have to look at what Jonathan Taylor has done for the Indianapolis Colts. He's been playing at such a high level. Had 30 carries against Jacksonville in Week 17, 253 yards. So they were running all over. Jacksonville actually was able to not be in the game, but score and make it like, oh, well, they can come back, but it's the Jacksonville Jags. They're going for the first overall pick, which they basically, I think they did actually have locked in at that point. Yeah, they definitely did because the Jets won in Week 16 as well. But Jonathan Taylor is in play as well. I think Buffalo's defense has been playing a lot better since Matt Milano has come back from injury. And they've had a lot of primetime games recently, so we all had eyeballs on the Buffalo Bills. And you see Milano just flying around. He's going to be a free agent. He's looking to get paid, and he probably will be. So you have Taylor at 7,900. That is a lot. And I know that he's going to get a workload, but this may be more of a Naheem Hines kind of game script. And he's at 4,700. I think a lot of people are probably going to have Hines. He could even be a solid cash game play, which you don't typically want running backs who don't usually command most of the workload in cash game. But this game script suggests that the Colts are going to fall behind. That's more of a Naheem Hines type of role. This is full point PPR. And Hines gets a lot of targets. At seven targets against Jacksonville. Four the game before that. Three the game before that. Four the game before that. So I don't think that's a terrible call. We have the Zach Mosses and the Devin Singletary's of the world. Those are just straight GPP, contrarian plays. You're never going to plug either of those guys into cash, even at their prices, because you don't know which one is going to end up getting the workload. You don't know how they're going to use them in certain situations. It seems like Zach Moss is third down back. It seems like Zach Moss is the back they like to use in the red zone, but Josh Allen also steals those touchdowns quite a bit, so it's difficult to really gauge that but I think it's a solid move in GPPs I think you can take that dart throw and if that dart throw hits on Zach Moss he falls into two touchdowns that's huge but this is still a really good run defense too so it's definitely low upside but you're just hoping he falls into the end zone typically things you don't want to really bank on but it depends on how you diversify your lineups because they are pretty cheap and they are starting running backs quote unquote as for the receivers I already went over Steph Diggs. That's a smash play. 7,700. Then you have Cole Beasley. Now, he was spotted at practice on Thursday. Sal Capaccio reported. Now, he has that knee injury. It's He's a little bit more on the questionable side of things. Diggs is questionable, but Diggs is going to play. Beasley, you have to monitor. And he's 5,300 right now. But when he's healthy, he's been a really good, reliable target for Josh Allen. The thing about him right now is John Brown is back. He saw snaps in week 17, had four catches on four targets for 72 yards and a touchdown. Cole Beasley doesn't seem to perform the same when John Brown is there. So I actually think John Brown at 4,700 is sneaky. I think he's sneaky, especially with these two guys dinged up. I, I love Diggs, don't get me wrong, but for a contrarian play, John Brown is somebody to plug into your lineup at 4,700 and he could hit for you because we've seen that Josh Allen loves to throw to John Brown. I think Gabriel Davis is similar, but I like John Brown a lot better. And I think Brown coming back hurts Gabriel Davis. He had a really good game in Week 17 as well. 
well, he had two catches for 107 yards, so I could say that. Had five targets, but did get in the end zone. And as for these Colts wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton's only 5,000, and he's been continuing his hot streak throughout the season. He had a down game against Pittsburgh. His game against Houston, the second one, was a little bit underwhelming. But he's able to bounce back against Jacksonville. Had a touchdown at least, but didn't really do all that much other than that. You know Phillip Rivers is going to look for him in the red zone and in that area of the field. And obviously Phillip Rivers, he's at 5,400. Very, very limited upside. Should throw a solid amount if you're just looking for 17 to 19 points. Phillip Rivers could be a good get there, but that's not going to win you a tournament more than likely. So it's definitely more of a cash game play if you want to spend up on other players. But still, if you even use cash game, Josh Allen or Tom Brady goes off on the three-game slate or Aaron Rodgers on the six-game slate, then you're missing out on that and you're probably not going to cash in this in the and the top half of the tournament. So you definitely need to consider all those things. For these Colts wide receivers, it's a little bit difficult because one week it's Zach Pascal, another it's T.Y. T.Y. obviously I think would be the, if you had to pick one, he would be the one that you would go with. Michael Pittman Jr., that's somebody that's a dart throw, but very, very inconsistent. Saw two targets last game. You definitely don't really want to bank on that and hasn't had double-digit fantasy points since week 11 against Green Bay. And that's obviously not something you want to invest in. So that's definitely a dart throw, contrarian type of play. As for the tight ends, Dawson Knox has been seeing more and more targets. He had eight last week, four in the previous two weeks. And he's been used in the red zone as well. So he's somebody that I think you can look to invest in. He's only 3,200. And then you have the Jack Doyles, the Trey Burtons, and the Mo Alley Coxes. Seems like it's a different week for all these guys a lot of the times. Buffalo on the season hasn't been great against a tight end. A lot of that was a product of the earlier parts of the year when guys like Jonu Smith had two touchdowns against them and stuff like that. So I think you can kind of just pick and choose which one you want here. Mo Ali Cox is more of the red zone threat, doesn't play as many snaps as these other guys, but he's just not on the field as much, whereas Jack Doyle, Trey Burton play within the 20s. Trey Burton probably has the highest upside based on what he's been able to do, but he wasn't even targeted last week. So that's the kind of situation you find yourselves in. And as for the defenses, I think the Bills is a solid add. Colts, I mean, I love their defensive personnel, but Buffalo's just clicking right now. Then we have the Rams and Seattle. Now, this one's really interesting because Jared Goff, it's not a given that he's going to play yet. This is a 440 game. The Seahawks are favored by three, and it's a 42-point overrunner, so not as great in terms of fantasy output. Russell Wilson's always in play. You know, he can rush for a touchdown. He can do some work against the Rams. He had 19 points against the Rams in week 16. In week 10, he had 12, and he has not been clicking recently. The Seattle Seahawks offensively have just not looked the same recently so that makes you want to stray away from them all but you could also get a lot of these guys at a low ownership if they do kind of click the thing about dk metcalf though is he's just getting shut down by jalen ramsey it's just not great he's 6700 tyler lockett is more expensive than him at the moment he had six catches of 59 yards against jalen ramsey just broke 11 fantasy points and full point ppr he caught two for 28 the last time they played Hasn't been great. Metcalf is not getting the best of that situation. And then Tyler Lockett, he had a breakout game at Week 17, probably frustrating so many people who owned him in fantasy because he was putrid before that. But he had 14 targets, caught 12 of them for 90 yards and two touchdowns. 
can he ride that into the Rams? He hasn't really done all that much against the Rams outside of that, but he's not going to see Jalen Ramsey, so there's that. That's something that you can pull from it. But this game could be a lot slower. The over-under suggests that. I think this could be a big Chris Carson and a big running back type of game. He's questionable at the moment, but he's more than likely going to play. He's still dealing with that foot sprain. And I like Cam Akers, who came back from his high ankle sprain after only missing a game, and he saw 21 carries in Week 17, was used in the receiving role, and he's only 5,100 because he's going up against the Seattle defense that's been pretty solid recently. They've been they've been a lot better than the perception of them in the earlier season when they were giving up everything through the air. So I like Cam Akers here at 5,100, and I think that's definitely somebody that you should look to plug into your GPP and cash lineups here and you know they're going to give him the ball a lot if Jared Goff's there I think it's a tick down for him because teams are going to be really focusing on Johnny Warford who is 4,900 right now and you know what might not be the worst play if you really need to save not going to win you a tournament more than likely unless this guy just plays out of his mind but Jared Goff he has been playing terribly recently. He doesn't really give you a lot of pause, and he's at six grand. At least Walford gives you 1,100 savings there. But you're not more than likely not considering that in a GPP. In cash, maybe. But again, like I alluded to before, if somebody really goes off, which Aaron Rodgers can, which Drew Brees can, then you're probably going to lose out if you're playing the entire slate. So like Cam Akers, I think Chris Carson's in play, but you know Carlos Hyde's going to be very, very annoying for that. And then I think Tyler Lockett at 6,900. And you know people are going to see the opponent rank on DraftKings and see the one and then probably stray away. But the Rams are a really good defense. You have to acknowledge that. But that's a way to diversify and become a little bit more contrarian. But you need to hope that it actually materializes, which is definitely not a given. And then you have the Robert Woodses. Robert Woods had seven targets, caught four of them for 36 yards against Arizona. Hasn't really had a great game since that Week 15 New York Jet game where the Rams lost when they hosted the Jets. And having Warford playing doesn't really give you any sort of warm and fuzzy whatsoever. Cooper Cup is now off the reserve COVID list, which is good for him. You don't know if that's going to affect him. And then you have Josh Reynolds, who's another one who's going to be in play, but it just doesn't give you any sort of great feeling not having Jared Goff and working with a quarterback who has not really received a lot of snaps with any of these players. And that's why this game isn't all that great. You can look at defenses the Rams or Seattle if Warford starts especially but even if he doesn't Jared Goff has seemed to he carved up the Seahawks in the first matchup and then the last game he looked bad but he hurt his thumb later in the game but he didn't score any touchdowns in that first matchup that all went to the running backs that could swing around and uh, Tyler Higby he hasn't really done that great against Seattle I mean, he had, what, three targets or six targets, caught three of them for 34 yards against Seattle last time they played. But I think these guys are in play because they're cheap and they could fall in the end zone. But that's not necessarily what you're looking for if you want to win a damn tournament. Then you have the Rams and the Seahawks defense. I think, like I said before, they're both in play. Then we have Tampa Bay and Washington. This is an 8-15 start. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are favored by nine. And this is in Washington because the crappy NFC East needs to host a game. It's a 45-point over under and I don't think this is the greatest matchup for Tom Brady they're going to probably try to see what they could do with all their weapons Mike Evans is a game time decision right now he's going to be limited even if he's out there I think he's lucky he didn't do more damage than what it actually looked like Alex Smith he looks like he's going to play but he's questionable still rehabbing that calf injury 
that he has. He was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday, so he's more than likely going to play. Terry McLaurin, also limited participant in practice on Wednesday. I'm sure he's going to play with his ankle injury. I think Terry McLaurin, if Alex Smith is right, he could be in for a solid game here, but the rapport hasn't been great with those two. Tom Brady's at 6,900. Let's go over him first, and he's another one who's been clicking right now. Now, it's going to come down. Can Washington's pressure get to Brady? Can the five offensive linemen hold up against the four pass rushers that Washington likes to bring a lot of the times? Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, whatever combination that they use. Ryan Kerrigan they like to throw in there. If those five can hold up and allow Brady to get the football out of their out of his hands to Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, hobbled Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray, Scotty Miller, name it, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, then Tampa Bay should roll Washington. But if Chase Young and Montez Sweat can get pressure on Brady, who is limited because he's a little bit older, this could be a, a slower, grosser, trudging kind of game from this Tampa Bay offense that has been playing really, really well recently. And that's the game plan, is you need to let Chase Young go. Chase Young is talking. Like, oh, I'm coming for Tom Brady. Terrible idea from Chase Young. You never want to do that. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't need any extra motivation, but Chase, Tom Brady was throwing touchdown passes when you were in your freaking diapers, man. So, like, let's calm it down a little bit there, bub. And I look at this. I think Brady's in play, obviously. Alex Smith at 5,100. It's not as great. Tampa Bay's defense is, is solid. It's a good defense. They were carved up man coverage earlier in the year, and that was really on display when Tyree Kill went off against them for over 50 fantasy points. But they've stabilized a little bit more now. This is the Saturday night game, which Tom Brady has actually struggled in night games because he's like, you know, 100 years old. It's like putting Methuselah out there almost at this point, yet he's still playing incredibly well. He seems to struggle with these night games. And there was a narrative earlier in the season that he struggles because he goes to bed at like 9 o'clock, 9.30 on a normal day. So now he's playing basically at that time. So his internal clock's a little messed up. And it goes to show that the Giants actually were really good against Brady. Does that have something to do with it? I'm not necessarily going there because I have a lot of respect for the Giants' defense. But it's definitely a, a storyline that has been perpetuated throughout this season. But to the running backs, I think Tom Brady is somebody who is in play. But to the running backs, Antonio Gibson, he's still... Coming back from that toe injury, he's played in the last two games, but he saw 20 touches last week. That's a great sign. But in order for Antonio Gibson to to really be maximized, he needs to the, the game can't get out of control, which this game could, okay? Because JD McKissick is going to come on the field, and JD McKissick is going to catch eight balls, five balls, ten balls, whatever he's going to do. Because Alex Smith, that's his best buddy. He loves to throw the ball to JD McKissick, and I think McKissick's really in play at 4,800. People are going to see that second opponent rank. And that could sway him off, but anybody who follows it knows McKissick isn't a running back. He's basically a receiver. But this is a full-point PPR site. Washington should be down in this game. Vegas suggests that, and Logic suggests that, but anything can happen. And that's going to lead to McKissick being out there. So I think McKissick is a really, really good play for cash and for GPP type of plays. Ronald Jones, I think, is a good uh, GPP play as well. He's had two games. His last two games that he played were really good, but again, he missed Week 15 to week 16 because he was on the COVID list and he broke a finger. But now he's back, scored a touchdown on week 17. Washington's a very good defense, but this is definitely somebody who does have upside here. Everyone's going to be trying to stop the pass. What if they actually run the football and it's successful and they go that way and they actually find success because Chase Young and Montez Sweat are running so far up the pass rushing arc to kind of def- try to defeat Tristan Wharfs, Donovan Smith, and that offensive line. A lot of little things to consider, but I, I think Jones is definitely in play for 
GPP type of games. Of course, Goblins at seven thousand. Mike Evans sixty five hundred. That's that's tricky. You're gonna you could roll the dice there. Hope that he's not as injured as we expect him to be. But that's definitely a uh, I guess you could say a risk. Terry McLaurin's at sixty three hundred. I think that's a solid play. He had a touchdown last week, which helped his fantasy points. But he's been a little just inconsistent since he's been dealing with these injuries. But we've seen Tampa Bay be struggle against man coverage. But I think they're going to really focus on McLaurin. Still somebody who's in play. Chris Godwin at seven grand, someone who is in play as well at seven targets. Caught five of them for 133 yards and two touchdowns last week. I also like Antonio Brown as well. He's at 6,100 and he had a monster game last week. 14 targets, caught 11 of them, two touchdowns, 138 yards, and just absolutely went off. I think that's another really solid play. You'll look at the other receivers for Washington. Cam Sims had five targets, caught all five of them for 43 yards last week. None of them have a lot of upside. You're going to need them to fall into the end zone, so they're not great cash game plays. I mean, GPP could have happened, yes. I mean, we've seen crazier stuff happen, so I think a lot of people are available to be gpp plays that are on the slate that at least receive snaps just because anything can happen and if you if it does end up happening and you get them at a low percentage it just assists your lineup but that's kind of taking a lot of cracks at the can to try and get there now with players like jd mckissick i think it's you know you look at the carries that he's had he's had like six carries for 15 yards in the past two games that's not great but it's all about that pass catching you need the game script to go in your direction and everything suggests that the game script can go in that direction. So you end up kind of coming away liking someone like that. I think Rob Gronkowski, there's there's plenty of solid tight ends, I think you can say, on this slate, in a six-game slate. But the rapport that Gronk and Brady have is pretty good. And when you think about how Brady likes to throw to big bodies, Mike Evans may not be fully healthy may not be that big body so you have Rob Gronkowski at 3,900 who hasn't seen a lot of targets recently only six in the last two weeks but he's still Rob Gronkowski he has years of rapport with Tom Brady and they're in the playoffs and Washington can definitely be had through the air at tight end they're pretty weak in terms of their linebackers like just with big names and stuff like that they don't necessarily have coverage linebackers I think they're solid players just watching them twice on the all 22 when the Giants played them but I think they can't be had there. And then Logan Thomas is also a great play at 4,900 because he's just getting a ton of targets and he's a beast of a man. They like to use him in a lot of creative ways too, which I think in the last game of the season, possibly the last game of the season, in the playoffs, you're going to try to get him in creative ways if it makes sense. So I like Logan Thomas. I like Rob Gronkowski. And I think both of these defenses are up in the or are up to be used. Buccaneers defense is 3,300. Going up against Alex Smith, they have good pass rushers. And then Washington's at 2,400. It's much cheaper you need them to get to Brady, which is something that can happen, but it's not something that we necessarily fully expect to happen. But I think it's definitely you can use both those defenses. And at this point, you got to think most of the teams that are on this slate are going to have pretty good defenses because they're in the playoffs. These are the better teams. So I think that you can consider a lot of them. You're just trying to hope for turnovers. And when you have Chase Young and you have Montez Sweat, turnovers can definitely happen. All right, but before we continue with the three games on Sunday, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Now to continue with the Wild Card DFS show that we have going on here, let's move to Sunday, 105 start. It's the Baltimore Ravens going to Tennessee. 
to play the Titans. The Ravens are favored by three and a half, and it's a 54 and a half point over under. A lot of fantasy points could be scored here, mainly because Tennessee's defense is really bad, which makes me love Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, players like that. Lamar's at 7,800. You know he has a high floor no matter what, so he's excellent for cash games because he runs the football so damn much. And Tennessee's defense has just been terrible recently. They've been lit up. Remember, Devontae Adams had three touchdowns against them, and that's Devontae Adams, but so many people have been having success against that Tennessee defense. It's going to be the downfall of them because their identity is to run the football. And I don't know if they're going to have the opportunity to, if they go down by 14, to continue to run the football. They'll try, but can they do it successfully? That's why I'm kind of off Derrick Henry a little bit. He's at 9,200. Hard person to skip out on, but you're in the playoffs here. You're not playing Houston, Jacksonville, and Detroit, where you had 30 fantasy points and more. Playing teams like Green Bay, where you had nine. And doesn't have that much pass-catching upside now. I think Henry, if you're putting in a lot of GPPs, you want to put him in there, just in case, because we saw what... Tennessee was able to do against Baltimore last year. But Baltimore's been waiting for a game like this, a get-back game. Now they're going to get it. And you have Ryan Tannehill at 6,600. You're not in love with it, but assuming they're probably going to have to throw the football. I do like J.K. Dobbins at 6,600 as well as a running back. Tennessee has not been great against running backs whatsoever on the season. So him and Gus Edwards, I think, are solid plays. Gus, obviously, not as much as J.K., and as for the wide receivers, A.J. Brown is questionable. Looks like he's going to be fine. He's been questionable basically all year because of his knee injuries. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. Love Marquise Brown at 5,400. You know, he doesn't get all that many targets, but he's just been finding the end zone and having this rapport with Lamar Jackson that has kind of carried him through the end of the year. I mean, he was terrible in the beginning of the season. His last bad game was actually against Tennessee where he had three targets and did absolutely nothing with him, just drop passes. But he's had over double-digit fantasy points since then in full-point PPR. I think this could be a good bounce back game. He's at 5,400. He has high upside because he has those explosive playmaking ability. And he's going up against a Tennessee defense that gives up a lot through the air. So I'm willing to go back to that well and attempt to drink it. You have Corey Davis. Corey Davis has he's been goose-egged in tough matchups. I, I don't necessarily love it. I know he had just about 20 fantasy points last time he played Baltimore. I think that... GPP, he's fine, but he's not a cash game type of guy. He's still cheap at 4,800, which makes him definitely somebody in, in those GPP tournament type of games. Mark Andrews at 5,200. He's been used a lot more recently since coming off COVID at 10 targets against the Giants, had seven against Cincinnati. Didn't do all that much. Caught four of them for just 27 yards. But going up against this Titans defense, I, I like that course of action. I think Johnny Smith at 3,200 is just too inconsistent to roll in that direction. And as for these defenses, I'd probably go with the Ravens defense over the Titans defense because you're going to see probably a little bit more throwing. The Ravens defense, had, you've been able to run on them recently. Clay's Campbell hasn't necessarily been the same. They got stronger towards the end of the year, but there was a good portion of the season where they would be able to run on them. Now that makes you think Derrick Henry, 9,200, hey, Gotta throw him into a couple GPPs, like I said before. I think that's wise, but it's definitely not somebody I'm building my team around, despite the fact that he's one of the more expensive players. And I know that doesn't necessarily do well with roster construction, but this is just could be a tough matchup for him, despite the fact that they're home. But you have to have some shares. Alrighty. Then we have the Bears and the Saints at 440. And the Saints are favored by 10 points. That line just started at 9. It went down to 10 because, I mean, this is a Mitchell Trubisky led Bears team. 47.5 point over and under. Like Drew Brees here, Chicago's passing defense hasn't been as strong towards the end of the year. Drew Brees is coming off of a three-touchdown game. Didn't have to do all that much. 
200 yards to the air, but he was efficient. Now, Alvin Kamara, he could be available for this. Could be. He's eligible since this game is on Sunday, but we have to wait to see. He's at 8,500. I think if he's back, that's a solid play. And this, he's great in these kind of formats. David Montgomery at 6,900 going up against the Saints defense that has been rarely good against running backs. You love the fact that he's gotten over 20 carries in the last three games. He's been dominating. He had nine targets, caught all nine of them for 63 yards last game. Dominating. And that was a must-win game. Remember that. Just about. They lost it to the Packers, but then the Rams ended up beating the Cardinals, so the Cardinals got outs, and then the Bears just kind of backed their way into the playoffs. Now, Montgomery, he's going to be used in the passing game as well, and that's one of the reasons why you like him there at 6,900, but the upside is capped in the Superdome. There should be a lot of scoring, though. There should be. If Kamara doesn't go, then you'll love Latavius Murray at 4,500 because he's done well with the opportunity. Bears run defense now that Akeem Hicks is healthy is better, but you still would go that direction with Kamara. But if Kamara or with Murray, but if Kamara isn't there, then you're going to see Ty Montgomery at 4,100, and that's a deep GPP type of play. We saw in Week 17 he got a lot of carries. He had 18 carries for 105 yards. Only had two targets, caught one of them, but the Saints blew out the Panthers in that game. As for these tight ends, Jared Cook had a touchdown last week. Four catches, five targets, 43 yards. I think he's a solid play because Chicago has been really, really bad at guarding the tight end position, and we've seen rapport with Cook and Drew Brees. So I think that's a place to go. Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, 3,300, 3,000 respectively. Look, it's kind of hard to go in that direction. We've seen Graham at multiple touchdown games, but then just do absolutely nothing, and then Cole Komet is used a little bit more the next game. With the playoffs, I think they're probably going to try to use Komet, but they could lean on the experience of Graham. And this is a revenge game if anybody puts any stock into that. But they're cheap. If you're going for cheap tight ends, these guys can be considered. But I think there are better options on the slate as a whole. And as for the defense, Saints are 3,800. They're a very expensive defense, but they're probably worth it here against a Mitchell Trubisky-led team. And with that said, Mitch is 5,300, and he can get garbage points. He can get a ton of garbage points. So to me, I think he's going to probably turn the football over two or three times. It's going to knock down at least six points right there. So I think you can go with better options, but you know he has a higher floor because he likes to run the football. And he, I think the Saints would allow him to run the football down the stretch and not allow him to pass deep. Darnell Mooney is also a receiver that we haven't talked about. We haven't really gotten into the receivers yet, but he's at 3,900 and he's questionable. He did not participate in Wednesday's practice, so you have to monitor this. But he's somebody who has just been seeing a lot of targets. He saw 13 targets against Green Bay, 7 against Jacksonville, and he's a cheap option who is explosive. So that's somebody to consider, but you have to monitor the injury. I think Allen Robinson is always somebody to consider for the Bears. He's at 6,500, didn't have to do all that much against Green Bay. But against Jacksonville the week before, he had 13 targets, caught 10 of them for 103 yards. He's a very, very skilled and talented receiver. And then Emmanuel Sanders is at 5,000 with no Michael Thomas. He just collects targets right now. And I think that the Bears defense could be had through the air, and he's pretty cheap. So I think that's definitely somebody to consider as well. Then we have Cleveland and Pittsburgh to round off the wild card slate. This is an 815 game for both of these squads who just played in week 17 where the Browns barely beat the second team of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a 47 and a half point over under and the Steelers at home are favored by six. I think Ben Roethlisberger here is a good play at 6,100. I know he's been up and down. We saw though him stabilize in the second half against Indianapolis at 28 fantasy points on DraftKings there, which is very, very good. 
he did not play. Mason Rudolph played against the Browns in Week 17, and Mason Rudolph had a good game. Now, that suggests a lot, to be honest. So Pittsburgh is obviously favored in this game, and you look at Ben Roethlisberger. They like to throw the football anyways. I think they want to establish the run, but this is the playoffs. They're going to do it. They find successful, so I really like Ben Roethlisberger, 6,100. I'm not fully on board with Baker Mayfield, who had 16 games against a Pittsburgh defense that didn't play TJ Watt or Cam Hayward and a couple of other starters last week. So I like Roethlisberger. Nick Chubb is always somebody to look at because the linebackers of the Steelers have been injured, and you have been able to run the football on them. And last week, he had over 100 yards, had a touchdown. Again, it's going to be a different type of game script here. But Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league. And that's pretty cheap at 6,700. I know they're not favored. I know it's on the road. But I still kind of like that output. I also like Kareem Hunt there at 4,800 because he's going to be targeted. And he's going to be used probably for 10 carries as well. So I think at 4,800, that's somebody who could have a high upside because the Browns more than likely will be down in this game and that's usually when Kareem Hunt sees the field a little bit more so I think that's definitely somebody to consider James Conner at 5,000 I'm not willing to go there just yet because he's been just so inconsistent I guess if you want to point to positives he's had two straight double digit fantasy points on DraftKings in full point that's something to look at but I just I, I don't think I can go in that direction Benny Snell only had three carries last week he had six the week before with James Conner back there's anything i know they like to get him involved but if there's anything to take away it's just i I don't love it but it would be a contrarian play so you uh, you consider it if you're putting a lot of lineups together and then you have these pittsburgh receivers you never know who it's going to be but deontay johnson's at 6200 juju's at 5500 and chase claypool's at 5200 that's pretty cheap Uh, they're, they're pretty cheap now last week deontay johnson only had four targets but there was no ben rossberger the weeks before he had 14 and 13 ben loves throwing the football to him People may be off of him because he's the most expensive, and he didn't do all that much when they played Cleveland last week. And they could look at that, not consider all the variables, and then go with Juju or Claypool. And Juju's a good play too, but that's one reason why I think I would go with someone like Deontay. But Juju had eight targets, caught six of them for 65 yards and a touchdown last week, and he is somebody who operates out of the slot, should avoid some Denzel Ward. So I, I do like Juju there and Chase Claypool. Had 11 targets, caught five of them for a touchdown and a 101. I think that's somebody also that can be considered, as is Jarvis Landry at 5,800. He's going to be operating out of the slot. He had 51 yards, six targets, five catches. Now, Steelers have a lot of good slot defenders. Stevie Nelson does a good job for them. Obviously, sometimes they use Terrell Edmonds in that role, and they use Minka Fitzpatrick sometimes, but he's definitely more of that safety, but sometimes they just get lined up against each other. But Landry, somebody who you can also consider. I think all three of those Steelers wide receivers are definitely in consideration. I think Eric Ebron is in consideration because Cleveland's been bad against tight ends. Ebron had a touchdown of 47 yards, seven targets, five catches last week. Austin Hooper against Pittsburgh, I don't love just because he's going to be seeing a lot more of Minka, Fitzpatrick, and Edmonds and some of those other second-level defenders that Cleveland has that are or that Pittsburgh has that are just really, really studs. And then I'm not necessarily looking at the David Njoku who's in or any of these other backups. But I do like Pittsburgh's defense at 3,600 against the Browns because if they shut down the run, which they're capable of doing, I, I think Nick Chubb will still have a solid game, but they're capable of shutting down the run. They force Baker Mayfield to throw. They get pressure on Baker Mayfield, and that's how you beat Baker Mayfield. That's how you beat a lot of quarterbacks, really. So I think that's another solid team to kind of look at. Cleveland's defense, look, Miles Garrett can have the game of his life, but that secondary is pretty bad, and I expect Ben Roethlisberger to be able to move the football through the air, even though they've struggled recently against this team. But contrarian plays, man. They're at 2,500, 
And we have seen the Steelers' offense struggle. And you do know that Cleveland has a pass rusher. So those are the kind of things you have to consider. Like, look, this isn't what I actually fully believe in, but I can see a path to where this comes true. And if that's the case, then you put it into a GPP lineup. If it hits, that's how you get an ability to diversify yourself. All righty, guys. I hope you enjoyed this show. My name is Nicholas Filato. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast, Filato's Fantasy Corner, on Big Blue View Radio, wherever you get your podcast, and enjoy the wild card slate. Take care, everybody.